Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Friday Roundtable Show, episode 302. We've got a small panel here, but a powerful panel. Um, some of the other panel have gone off gone off to Europe, but, but we'll be talking about that pretty soon. I'm going to let Sally introduce herself. Hey, would you like to introduce yourself quickly, Sally? Certainly. Uh, my name is Sally Getch. You're probably familiar with me if you uh, listen to or, or watch this show at all frequently. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl, and I build... Uh, customized sites for clients aimed at making them achieve their business goals and uh, enjoy using the website. Uh, and I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. It's a great one. And uh, my friend John Locke, would like to quickly introduce yourself, John? Sure thing. My name's John Locke. I do SEO for manufacturing firms. That's right. That's a very good job of it. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a, a maintenance support company specializing in WordPress with an emphasis on membership and learning management system powered WordPress websites. We can build them from the ground up or we can support them so you can concentrate on your membership business. So I think we've got some good stories here. Um, I managed to find some. I think we start with the WordCamp Europe 2008, 2018, uh, which is started yesterday. And um, it's in Belgrade. That's in Serbia. Um, I would have fancied going myself, but I'm going back to the UK in September, so I could face two trips. So, Sally, um, any of the speakers or topics um, you thought we're gonna be- I, think, I think it all looks, you know, uh, interesting. I, I noticed that it's it's heavy on the Gutenberg, and I'm kind of sorry that I'm, you know, not there to like, you know, be at the workshops and the roundtables and the and the walk through it because it's very hard for me to find time to like just sit down and learn stuff if it's not like I have to build this for a client. And being at a conference is an opportunity to, you know, to do that and and concentrate on that. Um, you know, there's a handful of uh, security talks, accessibility talks, uh, a couple of uh, talks on mental and, and physical health, which is probably important. I, I, the one that's super caught my eye, though, is Intro to Drupal for WordPress folks. All right. <laughs> and I, and I, I noticed it in part because, you know, I had, had added to our uh, discussion list a few weeks ago uh, a talk about WordPress that was given at a, a Drupal event. For, event. Uh, and I think it is useful to know. I mean, it's that that if nothing else, it's good for WordPress people to know where the strengths of Drupal are. In case somebody does come to you with a project where you th- you know where you think, well, I could contort WordPress into doing this, but you might be better off finding a Drupal expert to to build you a, a Drupal site. That's interesting. Yeah, thanks for that. What about you, John? Any of the speakers and talks took your eye at all? Yeah, I'm glad Sally pointed out that intro to Drupal one because I didn't even notice that. I, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Gutenberg. Uh, I noticed there's a couple talks by the Yoast team. Yeah. Uh, one on technical SEO, and then I think there's one on content. Yeah, just as a side note, what did you think? Oh, I didn't have it as a story last week, mm-hmm. um, but they had, you know, um, Adam from WP Crafter that sometimes joins us mm-hmm. um, for these round tables. He did a special video. They they had this bug in their Yoast SEO product linked to the me- um, the media stuff. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of all that, John? Do you think it was overblown a bit, or do you or do you think that Yoast didn't actually treat it, deal with it that well? Right. And we have friends that have that uh, as well with the attachments. So for those who are listening at home, Yoast has a setting where uh, attachment pages say if you upload a image to a page, it creates a page called an, an attachment page where it just has the 
image there. There's a setting in there where you can basically uh, 301 redirect the attachment pages to the parent page. But um, one of the things that, that was this bug in Yoast, which was from March up until the end of May, was they were getting, all the attachment pages were getting indexed in Google. So I, I think that Yoast treated it with the right level of concern. Uh, if you have an older version of Yoast, update it. Make sure that you go to the media tab and, and just, you know, forward those attachment pages to the parent page. So. Well, it, there's a setting which should, <coughs> which normally, is it yes or no? It's yes. I, or I think it's turned on by default or it's supposed to be turned on by default and that got turned off somehow in, in, yeah. the, in the update. Mm. I don't know, it just seems kind of like business as usual for Yoast. They don't test stuff enough before they release it. And then you have like ting, 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 ting updates, you know, four days in a row. Yeah, I think you summed it up really very clearly, really. I'm quite impressed with that. That does seem to, that that is the general criticism you could make of them. They, they, they don't seem to do enough testing. But on the other hand, it might be just, it's just that they do do the testing, but it's an extremely popular plugin on almost... I don't know what percentage. It's, it's hard to test things in every circumstance. I and mean, I think it's probably impossible to test things in, in, in every circumstance. But it is, a, you know, it's a case where if there's a problem, it's going to be a problem for a lot of people. Now, mm-hmm. I have to say, one of the things that impresses me most about the WordCamp schedule is just how nicely it, it scales. If you, you know, look at it on a, on a small screen, the way the table layout just adjusts itself. <laughs> I'm I'm dealing with a site where some where like everything has been built with tables for like I have no idea what reason and I'm working on transitioning out of that. So tables are kind of on my mind. Oh Uh, right, and 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 this is I looked at the HTML. It is technically a a table. Uh, Yeah, I went on the side note just to wrap up. You know, it seems a great confident conference they seem to have some great speakers and i understand it's going to be bigger than you uh wordpress usa actually it's i think it's be been more- bigger than wordcamp us and and wordcamp us is, is pretty big but there are a lot of people in in europe uh or you know and a, a number of people able to travel from elsewhere to to europe yeah i would have asked me but um i would have liked to have gone but no uh, there we go um on to the next story. Um, clients work slowing down. And this is from um, Scott Brolinger, um, a great WordPress developer, really clever guy. He's been, I've interviewed him on the WP Tonic show. Um, I have a link to that interview um, in the show notes, folks. Um, just a great um, guy, really. Um, what did you think of this one, Sally? I was astounded to hear it because I have been swamped, uh, you know, so it's like, well, I, I haven't personally noticed this and it's not like I'm, you know, I, I am not a person who's managed to like really define a niche well and specialize and do all those things that you're, you know, supposed to, to, to do to grow a business. But, but my business is um, doing very well. I've got, you know, work coming in and he's got a note at the bottom saying, you know, a lot of people did comment that, that this wasn't happening to them. Um, so yeah, that was my first thought. Is like, well, it's you know, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing it myself. I haven't heard people complain about it in the, in the meetup, um, and I'm not sure about like so. Well, after the big shift to mo- after the shift to mobile, big changes stop coming. You know, it's people don't need to um, rebuild their whole website. Blah blah blah. And it's like, well, you know, they may not need to change platforms, but. Businesses change. You know, I, I've built like three websites for the same people over the years. It was like, well, yeah, there was the one we did in, you know, 2007 or the, was the one we did in 2014. There was the one we did in, in 2015. There was the one we did in 2016 because, you know, the identity of her business changed. And the, you know, look of things had, had started to get kind of stale. And, you know, the stuff that you built the site with a few years ago is maybe not as, you know, effective as the stuff you would build the site with now. So 
while some people are, you know, they don't feel like their website needs much updating and they, they haven't looked at it and it's not really a big part of their business, um, you know, people for whom who understand that their website is an important part of, of their business and of their, you know, mission of, of their income, uh, get stuff redone. That they it may be a redesign, it may be, oh, I want to add this function onto it. Um, but I have had a lot of people coming back. And of course, then there are the people who are in situations. I mean, the conference I was at was for a client who paid an agency that they'd worked with for a long time on their code igniter site. Uh, you know, they paid them $30,000 to build a new WordPress site and they were not happy. I mean, they liked the look of it, but they, they weren't happy with the people and they were frustrated with some of how things had been done. And with the, so I inherited their website and now I'm sort of piece by piece cleaning stuff up that was just like, WTF, how many people did you outsource this to simultaneously when it was developed? Because your code is really inconsistent. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, there's absolutely work there. Uh, and there's going to continue to be work. And if you have a good relationship with your clients, you, there will be repeat work uh, because it's pretty rare that you can go more than a few years without having to make some fairly major updates, either because you've changed and the content needs changing or because design has changed or because, uh, <clears throat> you know, something has, has gotten to be old and not as effective. You made some great points there. Thanks, Sonny. What do you think, John? I have some thoughts on this. Um, <clears throat> Carl, well, can I just say something before yeah, you start? please. Jump. I just think it's a very, very diverse situation. And I also think it's really dependent on where, what area you're working in, what your, the kind of clients you've attracted in the past. I think there's a lot of factors involved in all this. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, definitely. So I, there is also a thread on Twitter where Scott tweeted this out and there's some discussion around that. Um, you know, and there is different people, agency leaders and just different people in the WordPress space chiming in on that. So definitely go seek that out as well. Um, this article is really, you have to keep in mind, written from the perspective of someone who's knee-deep in the WordPress 1% community, meaning yeah. all the people who listen to podcasts like this or go to WordCamps, and the majority of agencies out there that use WordPress to build sites are not part of the 1% WordPress community. That said, there was a slowdown in the agency world in 2013 and 2014. A lot of high-profile companies... Uh, either downsized or they were struggling with finding clients because they were more generalist shops. And I think you're seeing something similar like that in WordPress for certain agencies, uh, especially where it's undifferentiated. And, you know, Sally's doing good. Um, and I know a lot of people outside the WordPress you know, hardcore community that are doing fine. Um, they've, you know, people who have never been to a WordCamp, regular agencies, not worried. Uh, but I, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, how much business development do you do? You know, what does that look like? Are you just, are you just looking to the bigger agencies that you know in the WordPress space to kind of kick you down the work that they don't want? Or are you looking for your friends to hook you up with projects? Or are you doing active business development outside of the WordPress bubble? I, I, think I have to say most of my, my sort of newest projects have come from people I know from outside the WordPress world because I spend a lot of time making myself ubiquitous. Um, and doing a lot of networking. And also, you know, there was other stuff I was doing before I did WordPress and then alongside it until it completely ate my life. And so, yeah, there are people I know because we've been, you know, part of the same uh, podcast since 2005. And, you know, people I know because they were in a business network with me that I started going to in, in 2003. And 
Can I ask you a real question? You probably don't know the answer. Do you think actually coming regularly, you've been, you know, you've really supported the podcast, Sally. You've come on very regularly to, on this Friday. That's morphed into this Friday round table. Um, do you think it's actively helped you, you get business in some way? I have no idea. Um, no. Nobody, nobody has mentioned it. And I think, you know, probably most of the people who listen to the show are WordPress people. Now, you know, and I know where a number of my referrals have come from recently, and, and they've been from, you know, personal contacts that I've had for a while. But, uh, you know, my feeling is that if it does anything business-wise for me, what it probably does is make more people in WordPress aware of me, and then one of them might say, you know, if a, a prospect is not appropriate for them, oh, well, you know, maybe that would be good for, for Sally. You know, John's contacted me a, a couple of times about things like that. Um, but, you know, I come on this podcast because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I, and, you know, because I get well, to It's, it's hear, really funny to take the mickey out of me, isn't it? That's right. It's so, it's so easy, isn't it? And, and we get to hear Morton being brilliant fairly often and uh, to, you know, have in, intense discussions. And since I am a person who works at home, it, it helps with the kind of, you know, um, <clears throat> hermit-like nature of my existence. Yeah. Right. Feel that. <laughs> on to the next story. Uh, plug-in detective wins WordCamp Orange County 2018 plug-in a Palooza. Plug-in a Palooza. Palooza. All right. There we go. Um, Want to start off with that one, John? Sure. Um, <laughs> I didn't go to the OC WordCamp, but, uh, you know, they had basically a, uh, a contest where it's like, you know, show us your plugin and then we're going to choose a winner. Uh, so this is basically a troubleshooting plugin because uh, a, a lot of what makes WordPress so popular is the fact that you can uh, find a plugin to add functionality for almost anything. But sometimes it causes code conflicts and you might get errors or something might look off or you have white screen death or, you know, this is, it looks like this is a plugin to help assist in troubleshooting what plugin might be uh, causing conflicts. So that could be very useful. Yes, it seems like it would be extremely useful. And um, it, it's, you know, it, it's been developed with a, a, an amusing and clever interface on top of it. Well, yeah, actually, characters are good. Yeah, it's, um, I, because, I, I knew about this plugin before he actually won, I forgot the name of the guy, the chief developer, but he was on Chris Chris's podcast where he did a webinar. He did, because um, he's in the middle of um, developed and also business development of actual free plugins that he's developed. He's developed. Yes, it's Nathan Tyler and Natalie McLeese. Yes. And, um, he was on Chris's podcast and um, all three of the plugins with their actively developing and um, not really quite good. But um, I think there's definitely been a need for these type of tools. There's definitely um, something missing about actually helping um, power users or even developers with better tools around this area. Would you say that, Sally? Let me unmute first. I would absolutely say that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure that as a, a maintenance company, you end up with a lot of people's websites where they've installed like five plugins that do the same thing. And then you have, you know, JavaScript conflicts all over the place because every one of them is loading their own copy of whatever it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that kind of troubleshooting, I mean, you know, it is a slow process to, to go through the, you know, you know, turn everything off, so you refer it to the default theme, does the problem go away, you know, turn off all your plugins and, and reactivate them one by one and see when it comes back. And then there's the really annoying thing is you deactivate everything and reactivate it and then the problem doesn't come back. 
because it's just as frustrating that you not knowing why something works as not knowing why something doesn't. Yeah, what do you reckon, John? Yep, I, I think it'll be a useful <laughs> plugin. That's yeah, that's I got nothing further. Why is that, John? You just not interested? No, I just um, I just uh, I don't have anything. It's, to do. It's, it's, the the uh, plugin at Palooza is kind of an interesting uh, uh, notion of of you know I I don't know that I've ever uh, come across a, a sort of let's have a, a Shark Tank moment. Uh, thing on uh, at a word camp. Actually, I was at Orange County last year. Um, or was it the year before? God, they all merged, don't they? Um, actually, it's a really great um, word camp, actually, and um, had a really great buzz to it. I really enjoyed it, actually, um, but I just couldn't make it this year. But um, yeah. All right. I think we're going to go for our break, folks. But before we go for our breaks, I want to talk about one of my great sponsors, and that's Kinster Hosting. Um, Kinster Hosting, big enough to have all the bells and whistles, small enough to still care. I think they're a competitor to WP Engine. I actually personally think they're better. Um, I think their level of service is better and I think the technology that they offer, um, you could you have all the latest choices in PHP um, and their support, staging site, backups, all fantastic. They deserve the growth which they're getting and um, I can't recommend them more highly really. I, um, they've been great to work with as a sponsor and also with my own site and some of my clients' sites. So if that sounds really interesting, go to the WP Tonic. There's links and banners. There are affiliate links. Use one of those, and um, you'll be supporting the show, and you'll be supporting Kinster. Uh, we're going to go for our break, folks, and then we come back. We've got some more, I think, interesting stories. We'll see you soon, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast coming back I'm doing well I'll probably die after the show I've had a stinky virus the past four or five days um, on to the next story the next story um, SEO hacks to boost your website ranking what did you think of this one John yeah, these were some interesting, um, you know, hacks, and, and I'll describe why. The three that they say are use video and transcription, link to the right sources, and tag like a pro. And um, I'll break those down like really quick. Uh, the first one they say using videos will uh, basically give the search uh, crawlers like more information, but you want to have transcriptions. I think that uh, you want to do that anyway. And, and even with podcasting, I would say it's more useful in podcasting to have transcriptions. Uh, but with videos, it definitely adds information. Uh, YouTube is actually pretty good at deciphering uh, the the words that are in a video. I think you should close caption each of your videos. Uh, but I will agree with use a video for a different reason than what they state here. And that is by having a video on a page, people are going to be more likely to play that video and they're going to stay on the page longer. Google is going to see that and say that this page probably is useful because it's supplying information because people are watching that video and getting that information on there. 
because they're staying on there longer. Plus, you're giving people another way to consume information. Instead of just reading, they can also watch a video. Uh, if you have audio, that might be helpful too. So the, the second tip that they have is link to credible sources. And they say, uh, you know, uh, a link to the New York Times as a news source is more credible than just some random blog out there. And while I agree with that, this can make a little difference, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is like a huge, huge factor. I'd say that it is probably something that they look at. Do you source your information from credible sources? I wouldn't say that it's like a major uh, factor, but it's something that you should consider. You should source credible sources. Uh, the third hack they say is using meta tags. Now they, they talk about the title tag and then the meta description and then the meta robots. Um, I'm not going to talk about the meta robots too much, but they said the meta description is arguably the most important uh, tag for actual users. And that's what shows up in, say if you're doing a Google search, the title tag is the headline and then the description is the couple lines of text after that. Now, your meta description does not directly affect your search rankings, but what it affects is click-through rate. Now, Google looks at you know, each thing that's slotted in a ranking, like one, two, three, four, five, and they have an average click-through rate for each of those positions. Your goal is to beat the click-through rate for whatever position you're uh, the search engine result is at. So the description can assist in that, but like the words that you put in the description do not directly affect your search ranking. However, the title tag is what I would say is the most important tag of what they're mentioning here. That has a big impact on your search ranking. You do want to have your keyword or something that is very similar to your keyword in your title tag if you're trying to rank for a certain keyword phrase. If you don't have that keyword phrase in there or something that is synonymous with it, you're probably not going to rank. So, I think it's all great stuff. Before I throw it over to Sally, um, I was talking to Jack, Jack of WP Fusion uh, on Wednesday. We did a great interview of his great product, WP Fusion. Um, which, what does WP Fusion do, folks? Um, it helps you connect at, like, if you got a drip campaign, you're using drip or you're using active campaign and you're looking for a program that can really work with one of these programs you'll, and help you build separate campaigns. Um, this plugin, WP Fusion, helps you dramatically with that and it works with all the leading um, automation programs like um, Infusionsoft ActiveCampaign and I'm giving him a bit of a plug here because he's a great developer we had a great discussion and you'll be able to hear it next week folks um, but what the reason why I'm actually mentioning it is that he said he just hired um, he hired a firm, and um, I know who owns the firm, and he's coming. Um, we've had a bit of a business relationship over the years, and he just hired, and he said that they've managed to, in about a two-month period, they've managed to get double the amount of traffic to the WP Fusion website, and he's seen a dramatic uptake in people purchasing his plugin. And the main tool they've been using to do that, John, is YouTube. They've been running, they've been producing a number of training videos, very strategic about the title of the videos. Obviously, they've done their SEO research. And these videos are being watched. And people are going from the video to the W3 Fusion website. And... <coughs> I think at the present moment, when it comes to actually getting traffic, I, I, what I've heard, because um, I have two businesses, I have WP Tonic and I have Mailwright, so I'm in kind of two worlds. But what I hear 
that's really working is YouTube and Instagram. That they're the things that are really driving traffic where people are seeing real results. So what do you reckon, Sally? What do you think of this article and my waffling? Oh, I don't think you're waffling. I think what drives traffic for you really depends on who your audience is. Yeah. Um, and where you're busy. I, I absolutely agree with the value of transcripts for either video or, or audio, both for search engines and for uh, humans, because, you know, I can read a lot faster than you can talk. Um, you know, I really like podcasts. I've, I've been deep into podcasts since 2005, and I, I mostly listen to them when my eyes have to be occupied elsewhere. Um, and I am not the person who will, you know, <clears throat> slow down and stay on the on the page for the video. It's like, yeah, I ain't got time for that. I, I don't, oh, I don't yeah, know. I forgot, but you're not really a video person, are you? you no, like <clears throat> I, I, I believe in the value of video done well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would rather read your tutorial than watch it unless there's something moving that I absolutely have to see. And, and I also, it's pretty darn difficult to search through a video to find out where in the video the particular, you know, bit you want to hear is if it's an hour-long video. And, yeah, but and let's face it, so you, 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 you know, it's one, of, it's one of your... Yes, it's, 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 a, it's a quirk of mine, which I am aware is not I love you, I love you for your quirks. You don't, universally you're applicable. Sheep, you're not a sheep person. You do your... Let's face it, you don't, you don't even have a smartphone because you don't really, can't be bothered, can you? Because you're in front of a computer most of the day, aren't you? I am in front of a computer most of the time. My husband was laughing at me that I, that I took my computer with me to this uh, conference. But it's like, well, you know, I actually took a fair number of, of notes and I'd rather have the, the computer to type on if I'm taking notes than try to do them on a phone. Now, you know, he was holding up his phone and making videos of the speakers sometimes and, you know, sending them to Facebook or wherever. Uh, and, you know, I could do that if I had a phone and it, it might be useful. Uh, you know, video can be good. You shouldn't use it for its own sake. You should use video because video is a good way to communicate what you want to communicate to the people you want to communicate it to. Uh, and so like, oh, I'll just make a video because I hear video is cool. Well, you're going to make a crappy video and it's not going to do anything for you. You know, if you're making a video that's that's on topic, relevant, and helpful to people, and we know there are a lot of people who are hanging out on YouTube and who, who want to watch videos, that's going to be useful to you and, and drive traffic. And, you know, having the transcript is a, a bonus for the search engines. Uh, you know, uh, in terms of linking, I, I am usually linking to sources of some kind when I'm writing because I, you know, was an academic and... Uh, that's what you do. And, you know, hypertext, when, when somebody showed me the concept of hypertext, my first thought was footnotes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's useful. And, and, you know, I noticed if you use Yoast, which most people do, they recommend a few outgoing links. Uh, and I've known people like, I don't want to link to anything outside my website. I don't want to, you know, it's like, oh, for God's sake, like, really? Um, you know, the tag thing is like, like this is a hack. Like people haven't known this since the dawn of time, uh, in terms, or at least the dawn of SEO. Yeah. What do you reckon, John? Do you think I was right in the when I was talking about YouTube and Instagram being two of the leading drivers at the present moment? Yeah, I would say. YouTube is having a bit of a resurgence. I mean, honestly, it's it's owned by Google and it's also the second biggest search engine in the world. I think that it is very much if you're if you have a video, it's easy to find how to do stuff and I think a lot of people search on YouTube, you know, for how to, you know, solve problems. Uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to interrupt a little bit. The other thing that occurs to me about YouTube strip is it's got, like, it's the conversation, like, younger people are leaving Facebook to Instagram. They are. Where, where YouTube, I think YouTube has a very wide spread of different ages, different backgrounds that use YouTube to some extent. What do you reckon about that, John? Yep. I, I, I think that that's true. There's something for everyone on YouTube. And I think Instagram is, is, it's really peaking right now. And, 
you know, they, they've kind of stolen some functionality or borrowed some functionality from Snapchat. So only a little bit. Yeah, only a little bit. But I, I think that they're, that is a good place to, to be. I mean, Facebook, um, I mean, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. There's still a lot of people on Facebook. Make no mistake. I, 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 I'm totally in with my other business with Facebook, so I'm totally yeah. biased. You know, I accept sure. what it is and some of the people that run it, but I don't actually believe what's happened will affect it in any substantial. I think there are other forces that were more... Um, yeah, that's my position on, yeah. that, on that. But, um, yeah, I think... Yeah, shall we go on to the next story? Yeah, next story. yeah, let's next story. Yeah, let's go, let's go, keep going. Um, before I die, uh, beginners, beginners guide to mobile website optimization. I'm going to start with you, John again. What did you think of this one? Um, it's good. I mean, because let's face it, I still see sites out there where people have not made their sites mobile friendly and you know essentially if you want to have a site that gets traffic at all it has to be mobile friendly um load time that's the bottom of the maslow's hierarchy Uh, a lot of people are still using five dollar a month hosting your site's never going to load fast on that uh your site needs to be, you know, responsive. Well, if your if your yeah. site is flat HTML, it might load tolerably well. But yeah, um, if it's a re- dynamic website, not going to um, happen. No, I not think happen. I've just I constantly have these conversations on certain membership orientated Facebook groups, and it, you always get this question. You know, is my shared hosting going to work for my membership site and they always bring up SiteGround as well and I, I say to them as as one of the um, of that type of hosting provider SiteGround in my opinion is one of the best choices um, I think with Emotion um, I would say Emotion is my second choice but I think the clear leader, based on my experience of that kind of cheaper end of the market, if you're going to go that route, is site ground. I call. Them. I I think they're they're very good, but you know they will ding you for resource usage. We oh yeah, they will. Have a client who's who's there, and uh, you know the the problem with our overruns was that you know we we were still hosting our podcast files on the web server, which is not generally a good idea, but we'd gotten away with it for a long time, and we just needed to move those over to a, a dedicated media server because the podcast was getting enough downloads that. Uh, you know, it was it was stretching our server resources. So you know, yeah. paying for the separate media hosting was way cheaper than you know getting a, a, a VPS or or you know cloud whatever uh, a, a, that they were otherwise going to you know push us into into moving to. Uh, so yeah, there's gonna you know there's gonna come a point. Well, is is you know is it good enough for your membership website? Well, how many members do you have and how active are they? Yeah, well, um, it's how my mind works. But as you were talking, that's the main thing. Also, there's a great article that Brian um, Jackson from Kinster, I'm not bringing it up because they're just a sponsor. He did write um, because I was discussing this with Chris and Chris brought it up that Brian wrote one of the best articles about what you should consider when you're looking at a hosting provider, when you've got a membership website. So I'll put that in the show notes. It's one of the best written articles I've read on the subject. And there are specific peculiarities. Peculiarities probably isn't the right word um, around what you require from a membership site that's got any kind of membership. Um, Basically, my position is I don't think a shared hosting um, is going to really, you're going to have a joyous experience, especially around mobile. This is why I'm bringing it up. I think you've got to look at something that's got a bit more 
humph to it. Um, and I, I don't think of a virtual private server, that's too expect that's jumping it a bit too much. I think a really quality shared managed hosting um, is probably the route to go. The only problem with that statement is, and I recommend it, is that um, I recommend that you you have a subdomain for your actual uh, membership portal from your actual main website. So you, you've got two websites. And a lot of these, um, Kinsta uh, is one of those, is that with their basic plan, they will only allow you one site. But I think they will be flexible. I've had a little chat with them, and I think, you, especially if you say you heard this from WP Tonic, um, I think they'll be a little bit flexible with you. I don't know. I can't swear to that, but I would hope for that. Um, so that's the main... I'm going off subject here, but it was all brought up when you say that, John, about, and you, Sally, that, you know, a lot of this cheap hosting, when it comes to mobile, it just doesn't do the job, does it, John? Nah, it doesn't. And I want to touch on something really quick. I know we're pressed for time, but... We're not, actually. We've got another 10 minutes, but we can end this. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, the user experience, this is, like, toward the top of the pyramid. Like, can people find what they're looking for and how's the overall user experience? That's something that really does matter, and I think that... Uh, people tend to overlook it in SEO. And the way that the, the analogy that I like to make about that is think of it like a three-leg table. You have to have content. You have to have links coming into your site. And you have to have good user experience. And, and part of that speed and the, you know, the overall look and feel of your site. But it's all there to make people be able to find what they came there for. And if you have a janky looking site that loads slow. Uh, you can have all the other parts, but you know, over time you're not going to rank really well. Well, and if you have a site that's like super fast and does all the other things that, the, mm-hmm. that they uh, recommend and people, but people can't find what they're looking for, it's not going to do you any good. Mm-hmm. You know, with, yeah. with, without that last part, um, none of your other efforts matter. I think the other thing, and I, I like to get your views about this. It's just really occurred to me what when you're building a site, you really got to understand your audience to some extent, you know, to the best you can. And you always, and it, it, looking back about all the conversations I've had with owners of businesses over the past 12 years. Yeah, 11 years that I've been actively involved in website development and with WordPress is that so many clients, they say, well, we want to make money from the website. We want the website to build our business. And they're all, you know, they're obvious statements, aren't they? You know, and understandable. I've never heard a client say, what value are we going to offer our the people that come to this website. I've never had a real conversation. And I think if you don't come with that mindset, is what we're what are we going to really offer to the audience for them to really want to come to this website and read what we've got to offer and, cu- and come back a second time or come back a third time? What are we really offering? Um, I think if you don't really get in that mindset. You, you got problems. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I mean, and that's the big thing. Everybody, you know, they don't invest in a website or SEO or any type of marketing unless they're trying to build their business. But I think that's where we have to intercede on their behalf and help them kind of connect the dots between, you know, here's what you have in you want this to support your business. We have to be kind of that investigator, like trying to figure out how to, you know, bring them to that point because uh, a lot of people understand their own business, like in and out. They totally um, have all this knowledge in their head, but they don't know how to translate that into a website or digital marketing or um, content marketing in a way that's going to draw 
you know, customers in. That's where we have to help them. And I was good, before I throw it to Sally, you see, Sally, you know, you kind of use terms like lead magnets or evergreen content. You know, every every industry's got its terminology, hasn't it? But fundamentally, what it's really saying is that you've got to provide some value to your target audience that really is gives them some value, isn't it, Sally? Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you don't know what value you provide to your clients, maybe you need to interview your clients and, and find out because that that's the... Uh, if, if, if they're still paying you, uh, then they must be getting some value. But sometimes... It's not that obvious uh, to to the business owner what the business is about or what the business is best at or why people come back. And, and then, you know, that's a thing you have to go find out if you want to build a website that will help convey and, and continue that. And so, yeah, you know, you need all the uh, mobile friendliness and, and the speed uh, in loading and all these things because, yeah, people can't get to your message. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to read it and and people will leave if it takes too long for, uh, for something to load Uh, or if it's hard for them to use the website uh, or if they can't, uh, you know, find what they're looking for easily or if they can't figure out what you're doing. Uh, So all of these things are uh, important, but you know, at the, you know, the, the thing that the client needs to know about their customers and what matters to their customers and and we had a presentation at this conference yesterday by one of the guys from Ideo and uh you know he was talking about you know people want to jump into the ideation phase of 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 building too quickly and and you need to spend more time like developing empathy with with the person that you're you know ultimately creating this this for with with the people who are going to be using it and talk to them and find out uh what matters uh, and you know, look out for uh, be on the lookout for things that are 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 broken. So yeah, you know, if if you build a, something based on what you think people want and what they actually want is completely different, you'll be sitting there thinking, I spent all this money on this website and nothing is happening. Yeah, it's funny because um, this is all linked in a way. I I interviewed um, um, <coughs> last week um, Andrew Michael from Hotjar. And uh, you find the episode, it's 301, folks, and you find the episode on the WP Tonic website. And Hot, Hot Jar is a, a leading product. They offer a suite of tools, um, a heat map and other tools that shows you um, how people that come into your website are interacting with your website. And the reason why I bring it up in the conversation, he was saying the Hot Jar is that they were in the midst of doing a massive external review. They were doing a load of surveys and a lot of outreach to their existing client base. This is a company that's growing quite rapidly. They're based in Malta, but it's a distributed company. They have people over the world. Because if they came to the conclusion with their content that they were producing, then they were he was in the midst of producing um, a, a new, newly launched educational section of the Hot Jar website where it was going to be like a university about uh, usability testing. And, um, and they'd spent a lot of money and he'd been in the midst of it. But get back to subject. Come on, Jonathan, get back to subject. Um what he was saying was that um, they realised they didn't really understand the users, who their clients, well, they had a good sense because obviously the company was grown, but they weren't satisfied that they really understood the needs, the wants of their user base that would enable them to keep growing the company. And I thought it was a quite honest statement from them, but they were spending a lot of money and resources tried to rectify that. What do you reckon about that, Sally? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, that's important. <clears throat> so, yeah, you, you need to find out what your, uh, what your users need and then you need to aim everything else you're doing at, at the result of, of, you know, providing what they uh, 
providing what they need in your website in order for them to get what they need from your services or, or your product or your nonprofit or, or whatever it is that you are. And it can sound a bit common because obviously that's a 70-person business. But um, just to wrap up before we wrap up the show, John, it, um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that complicated, does it? You, but you do, this should be on the top of your mind, really, though, doesn't it? With any kind of website owner that wants to get a result from their website, should it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, content is a big part of it, and, and it's often the most neglected part of drawing people into your website and building your brand. But all brands are built through content. Totally. Right, we're going to wrap up the show. I think we've had an interesting discussion. Well, I thought it was interesting. Um, I didn't contribute that much to it, unfortunately, but there we go. Um, Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at WPFangirl.com. You can find the meetup at EastBayWP.com. We just had an entertaining discussion about inheriting other people's code. Uh, And... Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at Sally Getch, and I am. If you can spell my name, you'll find me. I'm unique in Google. That's great. And John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Sure thing. You can find me at my website, which is lockdownseo.com. You can also find me on YouTube. Just Google uh, Lockdown SEO or Lockdown Design, and you will find me. That's great. And if you want to find out more about WP Tonic, folks, um, go to the WP Tonic website. We've got some great articles that are going to be coming up this month um, around membership and early management systems. And if you really want to support the show, give us a review on iTunes. It really does help us, um, the show in general, and it helps me get the kind of interviews that I normally have on a Wednesday with various interesting people that want to come to the show and have a chat with me. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.